Hello and uh, welcome to the Data Beat podcast. I'm so excited to bring you the first chapter in the upcoming series of episodes covering the cloud data warehousing. In this series, we are going to cover the cloud data warehousing in depth, its evolution, key players in the market, comparison and more. Let's get started and talk about the evolution of cloud data warehouses. which is definitely not complete unless we talk about the on premise implementation or the generation zero so what is a data warehouse a data warehouse popularly known as dw or dwh uh, also sometimes called enterprise data warehouse or the edw is basically a system used for reporting and data analysis and it is considered a core component in business intelligence Data warehouses are central repositories of integrated data from one or more disparate sources. They store current and historical data in one single place that are used for creating analytical reports for uh, you know workers throughout the enterprise. Just a few years ago, all data warehouses were running on on-premise. Some of them on expensive highly engineered MPP appliances which were very fast but certainly not cheap whereas small and medium enterprises were using smaller data warehouses were running on relational databases such as oracle or sql server which had originally originally been engineered for oltp workloads now they served us well until there are certain challenges that cropped up the first challenge is of upfront cost Since the EDW were sold as appliances there was a big upfront cost for both hardware and software with increase in data volume and annual upgrade cycles a large part of the budget was required the next challenge is of sizing on premise data warehouses need to be sized for peak usage in other words they need to be you know sized for worst case scenarios a lot of planning needs to undergo into this and uh, you know the assumptions may prove to be completely wrong at the end let's take an example of an online storefront wherein we need to size the hardware for peak demand over the christmas period for the rest of the time the hardware is underutilized as a rule of thumb on premise data warehouses uh, are usually over provisioned by a factor of 5 also it is very hard to predict and estimate future capacity needs Besides the assumptions many prove to be completely wrong and to top it all we also need to factor in redundancies in the form of disaster recovery system which is usually a active active setup thereby increasing the sizing and the cost further the next challenge is of clashing workloads traditionally we have run both bi and etl workloads on our data warehouse servers More recently, data exploration and data science workloads have been added to the mix. These workloads are vastly different from each other. BI queries aggregate data and only select a very small subset of columns from a table or dimensional model. They typically run in seconds or sub-seconds. ETL queries on the other hand tend to be complex and scan and write over large volumes of data. they tend to select all columns in a table on the other hand data exploration workloads are typically quite complex and are unpredictable in nature these workloads will clash with each other when run on the same data warehouse platform 
Data exploration use case may run riot and tend to choke the BI queries. You are also running the danger of rogue queries, thereby bringing down the whole cluster. Talking about the management overhead, uh, you for running the data warehouse, you will need ETL and data warehouse engineers as well as architects. These are the core resources that provide obvious value. However, you also need DBAs, network and infrastructure resources. These are a necessary evil but don't provide direct value. Let's have a look at how cloud data warehousing is solving these issues. The first generation of cloud data warehousing involved Amazon Redshift, which was the first popular cloud data warehouse. Redshift is based on technology from Power Excel, which itself is a fork of the popular Postgres open source database. The first full release of Redshift was made in 2013. However, what Redshift has in common with most other cloud data warehouse platforms is that they were not built with the cloud in mind. The MPP technology was just lifted and shifted from an on-premise implementation into the cloud. These first-generation cloud data warehouse solve some of the problems of traditional on-premise data warehousing, but leave others unresolved. Let's first have a look at what problems they solve. The elastic nature of the cloud allows us to scale the data warehouse cluster on demand. We don't need upfront investment. We can use operational expenditure rather than capital expenditure and don't have to worry about too much uh, about our cash flow. We don't have to go through a lengthy purchasing process with budgets and sign-offs either. As a result, cloud data warehousing has made data analytics feasible for medium-sized enterprises. First-generation cloud data warehouses also had a certain level of agility to the development. It now only takes a few hours to spin up and load a cluster with data. The management burden and administration overhead is also reduced to some degree. For example, patches are rolled out automatically. The same applies for backups. However, let's have a look at the fundamental flaw of the lift and shift approach of these first generation MPP systems. The fundamental flaw of first generation MPP cloud data warehouses is that the data in compute, that is disks and CPU, are co-located. The same applies to Hadoop by the way. They are tightly coupled on the same nodes in the cluster. If I power down the compute, the nodes in the cluster will be allocated to another customer. If I power up the cluster, I need to reload the data from the object storage, example S3 in case of Redshift. This can take hours for a medium-sized cluster. You are back to square one and need to be up and running 24-7. That is, your hardware will still be underutilized. Co-locating data and compute by co-locating data and compute means you force the two into a linear relationship. When we need to add more disks and data, we are also forced to add more CPUs and vice versa. This is inefficient for scenarios where we need a lot of storage but not but a very little compute. Just think of data, archi data archival. 
We need lots of storage but very little compute as you only run queries infrequently. We are over provisioning CPU and under utilizing our cluster and overpaying. MPP databases have tried to address this issue by using data federation. Example with Redshift, you can use Redshift Spectrum to query data directly on S3. This approach can work quite well when used correctly. However, it has various limitations. The biggest issue with the Spectrum architecture is that you will still need to have your Redshift cluster up and running 24-7. In general, data federation and virtualization has its own limitations and is only useful for a narrow set of use cases. The next challenge is of MPP and the data distribution. Let's have a closer look at the design of the MPP database. On an MPP database, the data is evenly distributed across the nodes of a cluster. Whenever you are adding a new node, you need downtime for that data redistribution to complete. So while you can react more quickly to unforeseen business events, you still have some limitations and require a significant amount of manual intervention. The other of even data redistribution is that you can't scale the cluster for concurrency. All nodes take part in processing of the cluster. Each task in a query typically takes up one thread or let's say one V core. The number of V cores on one node in the cluster limits the number of queries that you can run concurrently. Talking about management overhead, while we gain some benefits in reduced management costs involving automatic patches and backups, we can't eliminate them completely with first generation cloud data warehouses. To get good performance out of the platform, you need to have good understanding of the profile of the data and the likely usage pattern. This is needed to make good decisions on how the data is distributed across the nodes in a cluster. Example, if you want to join two very large tables, it makes sense to co-locate their keys on the same node in the cluster. Workload management headaches are also carried over from the on-premise model. Different type of workloads are still competing for resources with each other. Workloads are not physically separated from each other. To some extent, you can address this issue with a logical workload manager which prioritizes workloads. However, you need to allocate resources statically upfront rather than dynamically at runtime. This adds to the problem of underutilization. Other DBA tasks such as defining partitions, compression, encoding, sort keys, stats, and you know and gathering, they still remain the same. In particular, the so-called vacuum operation on Redshift is dreaded by data warehouse teams, as it requires extensive reordering of data, which is extremely resource intensive and idly requires downtime. In summary, a significant amount of planning and manual management still need to go into running a first-generation cloud data warehouse platform. This can add a substantial overhead and should be included in your total cost of operation calculations. This brings us to the second-generation cloud data warehousing. 
Second generation cloud data warehouse platforms such as Snowflake and BigQuery address the shortcomings of first generation cloud data warehouses. They fully deliver on the elasticity of the cloud. These next generation platforms separate compute and storage, that is, disks and CPUs are not co-located on the nodes of the cluster. They are separated out into their own layers, one for compute and caching, the other for data storage. As a result, you can scale storage independently from compute and vice versa. Let's have a look at some of the advantages of this architecture using Snowflake as a reference. The first advantage is that restarting your cluster is instantaneous. You don't need to spend hours reloading and redistributing the data. As a result, there is no need to run the cluster 24-7. You are built by the second, you only pay for what you use up and you don't overpay. Scaling the cluster up and down is also instantaneous. It does not require downtime. Data does not need to be redistributed across the cluster. Scaling can happen automatically. Snowflake can scale the cluster based on workloads. Whenever concurrency increases on the cluster, more compute is added up. When users drop off, the cluster can be scaled down again. Data is separate from compute and not evenly distributed across the nodes in the cluster. As a result, there is no maximum limit on concurrency. You can increase parallelism by simply scaling the cluster. In case of rogue queries, they don't choke the cluster anymore. Different workloads can be physically separated into you know, different warehouses called a virtual warehouse. With second generation cloud data warehouses, you pretty much eliminate the, mis the management overhead of running a data warehouse. There are no more knobs to tune or any parameters to set. No distribution keys, indexes, manual partitions, vacuum operations, stats collection, etc. On zero and to a lesser degree, first generation platforms, you can literally set hundreds of parameters to tune performance. So that's about the cloud data warehouse and its evolution. The space of cloud data warehousing is quickly catching up. In the next episode, continuing on this series, we will look at the key players in the space of cloud data warehousing. Until then, keep the data and the beat flowing. This is the Data Beat Podcast and I'm your host Puneet, signing off until next time.